it's really a race against time because our frogs are in a lot of trouble. We need to really get a handle on what we have so that we can make the best conservation decisions. This is the call of a stuttering frog. It sort of has that... And then a... (laughs) That's a very bad impersonation, but there is sort of a stuttering. And this is the voice of Dr Jodie Rowley. She's the curator of amphibian and reptile conservation at the Australian Museum in Sydney. It's a beautiful frog of the forest floor, black stripes and sort of some spots and and patterns along its side, beautiful big eyeballs. More often heard if you're walking around the forest than they are seen because they are so well camouflaged. Frogs are masters of disguise. Some species have even evolved to look like bird poop to evade predators. But their ability to stay hidden means there are likely many species we've yet to find. We still don't actually know how many frog species we have. And every year, particularly in in the recent decade, we've been scientifically naming new species from Australia. There are over 240 frog species in Australia. Recent finds include the Wollumbin pouched frog, the screaming tree frog, and the slender bleating tree frog. And then there's the Mount Ballow mountain frog that was only named last year but is already endangered. Dr Rowley says it's possible we could lose some species before we even know that we have them. You know, how many species we have is vital for figuring out what we need to do to make sure we don't lose any more of our amazing biodiversity, in particular amphibians. You know, in Australia, we've lost at least four species of frog already, probably more, and there's about 40 species that are threatened with extinction. Frog species are under threat on many fronts. Habitat loss, climate change, invasive species, as well as the infectious chytrid fungus, which has been killing frogs globally. And so, Dr Rowley says, we're in a race against time to identify just how many frogs we do have and which ones need our help the most. It's not just frogs we stand to lose, but the ecosystems they belong to and the attributes they have that could prove useful. It's very rare these days that we see something that's, you know, pink and yellow with spikes on it and we know that it's nothing like we've ever seen before. It is kind of these real mysteries uh, and true sort of detective work to figure it out. So a lot of it relies on genetics. Genetic detective work has become an important part of not only telling species apart, but understanding their unique attributes. One of the labs doing this work is the Australasian Wildlife Genomics Group at the University of Sydney. And one of their student researchers is Simon Tang. There's not that many frog genomes out there in the world. We have many for lots of mammals and lots of fish, but frogs are quite depulpurate in that sense. So it's really important for us to try to build genomes for amphibian species so that we can better understand and protect them. When Simon asked to build a genome for his honours project, he was handed a sample of the stuttering frog. That's the frog you heard Dr Rowley imitating earlier. The stuttering frogs are known to be dirty little creatures. They like to live in muddy and swampy areas because they're ground frogs. 
And what's kind of characteristic of the stuttering frog and other barred frogs is that they have this black line that goes from their nostril across their eye, kind of like a pirate scar. Despite that fantastic description, Simon has never actually seen or heard a stuttering frog in the wild. He's much more familiar with its DNA. Every single animal has its genome. It has the complete list of genes that defines itself. But what we're trying to do is really read it kind of like a book. This process not only allows researchers like Simon to spot species that were hidden to even the best frog hunters, it also helps them tease out why frogs and other animals have the attributes that they do. We know that with blue whales, they rarely get cancer. And with bats especially, they live very, very long lifespans and they're affected by so many different diseases, but they seem to be completely fine. Every single gene has a role, has a purpose. If we have that complete book, we know that no matter where we look, we will find the answer. Like the blue whale or bats, frogs have their own superpowers. Dr Jody Rowley again. They drink through their belly, and if they're thirsty, they will either go sit in water or they'll flatten themselves on some wet ground and try and suck that water up. And their skin in particular is, you know, they partly breathe through it. Some species, not in Australia, but they don't even have lungs. And another superpower has emerged as an adaptation to a pathogen-rich environment, which is the scientific way of saying they live in the muck. Yeah, frogs are basically little hopping agar plates. They tend to live in some really dirty places and so they need things on their skin to help protect them from getting infected. And so they've developed protective agents known as antimicrobial peptides that sit in the frog's skin and help keep the nasties out. We all have these peptides, but it's suspected frogs have a more potent mix. In my research, I was able to successfully assemble the genome of the stuttering frog, which is super awesome. Simon used his map of the stuttering frog's genome to uncover its arsenal of peptides. The way that I did it was using something called homology-directed discovery, or kind of like a fancy control F. So I have a database of antimicrobial peptides that have already been characterized from other frogs. And what I'm doing is I'm using those sequences and trying to find which regions of that 3 billion bases is similar to those antimicrobial peptides that have already been characterized. I can then dive in and analyze that region and see whether it's really an antimicrobial peptide or not. He looked out for two different families of peptides, cathelicidins and beta-defensins. I was able to find 10 cathelicidins and two beta-defensins which for reference is quite a lot because previous studies really only characterize one to two cathelicidins per frog species and one beta-defensin per frog species. That's 12 antimicrobial peptides, each with their own unique defenses against pathogens. Some frogs even have peptides capable of slowing the growth of the deadly chytrid fungus. Dr Rowley says they might even prove useful to humans in the future. You know, all these frogs have these amazing peptides that act in all sorts of different ways. We've actually, as humans, have been exploring these frog peptides for a lot of more selfish reasons, like antivirals, uh, antibiotics, which are really important in the age of antibiotic resistance. Of course, it's not just about what frogs can do for us that counts. Frogs should be really, really abundant, and they are in healthy ecosystems. They're kind of like a glue that holds the ecosystems together and we definitely know that we need to keep frogs around. They're important and it matters when we lose them. But to protect frogs, their superpowers, 
and the ecosystems they belong to, we need to know what we have. It's really hard to make good decisions if we're basing it on guesses. And so we really need to get an accurate understanding of how many species we have and how they're doing. New genetic tools are making it easier to understand the incredible attributes of Australia's frogs and just how diverse they really are. For example, when scientists looked more closely at the stuttering frog's genetics, they found... Hang on a second, it's not one species that's distributed from northern New South Wales down into Victoria. It's actually two. And that's incredibly important because this southern species, Mixifes australis, is actually doing much, much worse than its northern counterpart. So it's really important that we actually recognise how many species we have because it has huge conservation implications. Dr Rowley says it's not just down to the geneticists. Citizen scientists are playing a vital role in identifying and tracking frog species. She's the lead scientist on the Frog ID Project, a nationwide database that keeps track of species diversity and distribution with help from the public. So that's people going out there at night with their phones recording frogs and helping us build a better picture of where our frogs are. The fact that there are tens of thousands of people across Australia out there at night recording frogs, you know, with the mozzies, it's definitely changed my focus and it's given me a lot of hope. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.